I think sometimes we have it in the mindset that uh, the people in the Bible were just simply spiritual giants and they didn't struggle. I'm, I'm telling you guys, every word that we read in the Bible, God gave us on purpose because God wanted to zone in and say, let me show you about this guy. Yes, he had victory and yes, he had defeat. Yes, he ran the race. Yes, there was times that he wanted to quit the race. And, and I, I know that in this room right now, I'm, I'm talking to leaders, parents, teachers, principals, you know, leaders in our society, leaders in your job, leaders in your home, whatever. But in life, if you put it like this, and this is just the way that it is, and I, I can give this illustration even just from the reality of how God gave us. When you get up in the morning and you work all day, what happens at the end of the day? What happens? What, what, what's the goal? You say, I can't wait to go to bed. <laughs> I can't wait to sit on the couch. I can't wait to take off my shoes. I can't wait. I just, I, I'm longing for that. But there is, there's a principle. God only created us as humans to go so long before we get our, our bodies give out. And it's just like, I can't go anymore. And then you run out. It's like watching one of your kids' toys where you put the batteries in and they run it all day. And all of a sudden that, you know, starts going slower and slower. And then it just, er, 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 and it stops. That battery was only equipped with so much energy. And at the end of it, it stops. I'm, I'm telling you, I don't care who you think you are. If you're Superman or Supermom or whatever, you were only created by God. It's not that you have a weakness. You were only created by God to go so far and do so much with the energy that you have. And I don't understand it. I'm not going to be a doctor or try to explain this to you. But I can tell you something happens when we stop, we lay down, we sleep for 6, 8, 10, 12 hours, depending on who you are. You sleep for that length of time and then you wake up and you're like, let's go again. But can you imagine, have any of you ever worked and did not sleep? Have any, you guys know what I'm talking about? I, I have bad, bad stories of doing that. Everything stops working right. I mean, your body starts, stops working right. Your brain doesn't work right. And for some of you, maybe you say it doesn't work right when I do sleep. That I'm not, I can't deal with that right now. But for, you know, you, you just struggle. I, I was in college and uh, I was zealous to go back and I had five weeks over the Christmas break and I remember getting two full-time jobs. I got two full-time jobs. One was third shift, one was first shift. And the only time that I had to sleep was my days off that were intermixed between them that I had that time. And I thought, man, I'm Superman. I fell asleep three times behind the wheel. Now, I didn't tell my mom all this. But one time I was literally at a light and I was going and I, I was going forward into this intersection and I dozed off as I was driving forward. And I just heard horns and stuff and I woke up and I was in oncoming traffic with everybody stopped. And I'm like, this is not good. This is not smart. And you just can't function right. And, and you can look out and say, Tony, you needed to, you know, pull yourself together and psych yourself. no. If I, if I was to go back in time and look at me, I'd say, dude, you weren't created by God to do that. You're not made to do that. But I want to look at just in life what it's like to run. If you use this illustration that I kind of put on there when you're running on empty. And some people are always running on empty. And I'm not talking about physical energy. I'm not going to tell you about vitamin C and go out and get you a Red Bull. And I'm not talking about that kind of 
energy. I'm, I'm talking about when you spiritually, emotionally run out. Uh, I, I've ran out of gas before. Uh, the best stories about running out of gas is Pastor Dave. Pastor Dave, if you guys want to ask him about it, I don't care. You can do it. Um, Pastor Dave is my brother, so I know a lot about this guy. He's ran out of gas over 30 times. I'm like, you know, he's, he's logged it. He, he can tell you the stories of the 30 times. 30 times. How does anybody, I, I want to say, how can anybody be so dumb? But that would be mean to say. I'm going to say it anyway. How can anybody be so dumb <laughs> to run out of gas 30 times? Uh, I, was, I was taking the teens on a youth conference one time. A, a youth thing, and I, I think some of the ones that are in here might have been with me. We were going to Kentucky. I was all zealous. It was a Saturday night. We were driving to this event, and on our way there, I kept looking down, and we had like an eighth of a tank, and I'm thinking, we need to stop and get gas. Well, we, I thought, man, the hand of God put his, his hand on that gauge, and we, we stayed at an eighth of a tank. I was like, man, I got a story to preach on. You know, when God reached down and held the gauge, the gauge was broke. But uh, anyways, so we're pulling into a gas station. Robin, Sarah, were you guys with us? Yeah. Do you remember that well? Yeah. So we're pulling into the gas station and the bus ran out of gas pulling into the gas station. And the bus is halfway in the street, halfway in the gas station. And cops had to come block off the road. We had, we had the teens get out. Yeah, this was a, this was a picture, I promise you. Uh, get out and push the bus up into the gas lane. We filled up gas. But anyways, the whole ordeal put us like two hours, an hour and a half behind on our trip. And the rest of the story is hilarious, but I don't have time. But I'm telling you, that bus just was running on empty. And then it was running on fumes, and then it stopped. So let me show you what this looks like, this, this principle of what this looks like. Recently, I posted an article, and a lot of you guys commented about it. There was a, a pastor down, I think, in Tennessee, and he wrote an article, or it was written about him, closely connected, that he resigned his church. It was a multi-campus, like eight campuses, mega pastor, author, whatever. Now, you know, normally, when you read articles like that, it's because uh, he had an affair, he was embezzling money, he da da all these things. No, he just came right out and said, I'm burnt out. I'm burnt out. I can't. Done. Fried. I, I have nothing left to give. Let me tell you, in your life, this is a common problem. And it can be an internal problem. And it can be hid. And it can be denied. And sometimes it's not even diagnosed. You just think that I, I'm, I'm tired all the time or I'm just not good enough. Or you compare yourself, well, I remember my mom used to do this all the time or my dad or whatever. And it doesn't always come out as a problem, but it can come out as just struggling every day. Tired, you lose your passion, you lose your focus. You know, where you once were so excited, I want to see the kids, you know, grow up and love God and do what's right. I want to be faithful to church and I want to not miss and I want to, I want to get them involved in this and I want to see them grow up. And then all of a sudden, you're just so worn out and just like, I don't, you know, have you ever been there where you just don't care? Have you ever worked all day and, you know, the, the sink is full of dishes and you walk in there and say, oh, man. And then you're just so tired and you just say, I don't care. I'm just going to leave. I don't care. It's not that you don't care, but your body just says, hey, there's nothing left to give. I'm done. But here's the problem. Regardless of how you feel, we still have to keep going. 
Because the bills still have to be paid and you still have to show up at your job and the kids still have to be fed and ministry still have to continue and you still have to keep that position of whatever it is going. You, you can't just walk in and say, hey, I'm going to take a week off or a month off and I need to rest or whatever. And I'll tell you, that's the majority of people. It just stinks to feel like a failure. You go to bed even thinking about that, like I'm failing and I'm messing up and I'm not getting it done. And you begin to unravel. Let me tell you, Christians, good hearted people begin to unravel. People are like, well, I don't know what's wrong with them. And they must be, no, 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 you you better stop. You have no idea of how, how stretched they are of trying to keep going. Even the best of men and women have struggled. I, I, I almost did this with you, but it's the principle of let's say I was to come up here with a glass of water or something like that. And I was to pour a little bit out and pour a little bit out, pour a little bit out. The principle is eventually what I have as I keep pouring it out, it, the cup's going to be empty. And you guys have to understand that in life, there's all these scriptures that David was saying like my cup runneth over. He, he talked about fill me, O oh Lord, or be filled with the Spirit. There is the biblical principle of being full and being empty. And I, I feel like a lot of Christians don't have the, woo-hoo, I'm, I'm, I'm full. They have more of the, man, alive, I'm empty. I'm going to take three weeks to explain this, so I'm going to ask you to come back next week and the following week. But you, you, you can't work and run and clean and cook without running out of steam. So I, wanna, I want you to see this. God... God created us to work. He created us only to have so much to give, and then you run out. And Elijah is an example of this. So look at 1 Kings 19, 1 through 4, and it's on your paper. Or you can flip in your Bible, or, or, or go back and mark these in your passage later. Now, here he is, doing good. And you've got to understand, he's been through a lot. I want you guys to remember that this story was just leading up to it, being fed by the brook. Uh, you know, the raven story and, and, you know, confronting Ahab and now confronting the prophets of Baal. And listen to this. And after all that happened, and Ahab told Jezebel all that Elijah had done and with, with all how he had slain all the prophets with the sword. And Jezebel sent a messenger unto Elijah, saying, So let the gods do to me, and more so, if I make not thy life as the life of one of them by tomorrow about this time. And when he saw that, he arose and he went for his life and he came to Beersheba, which belongeth to Judah. And he left his servant there. But he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness and he came and sat down under juniper tree. And he requested himself that he might die. And he said, it is enough. I, does that sound like any of you? Have you ever said those words? And I, I love preaching. I, it's one of my favorite passages to preach about Elijah and how he came near the altar and he prayed down the fire from heaven and they all stood up and chanted, the Lord, he is God, the Lord, he is God. Wouldn't it be great if we could just live in that zone? But, but that's not where it was. The rest of the story, and let me remind you guys that all scripture is given by inspiration of God. God wrote this in scripture to say, hey, I want you to know that these good people gave of themselves and these good people also Got tired, discouraged, frustrated. It is enough now, Lord. Take away my life, for I'm not better than my father's. Take away my life, just let me die. 
You, you talk about hitting a spot of exhaustion. Of the only reason why somebody would ever get to that place is just saying, I have nothing more to give. I have nothing more to do. I'm out of ideas. You know, it, he wasn't praying, Lord, help me conquer. You know, let me overthrow this lady. Lord, prayer to be thrown out of the window and eaten by the dogs like the, what actually happened. I'm not as good as my family. God, I, I look at all these people that have gone before me and they were true warriors of God, but I'm not one of them. Have you ever thought that in your mind? I'm just, I'm not one of them. But I can tell you, having the Bible, I can flip to the fathers that he was talking about and say they felt the same way. They were there too. How about Moses? Uh, another spiritual leader that was constantly giving, always giving. Because that, that's what you are. I'm, I'm looking at a bunch of people that you give. It's not a matter of you just coast through life. Man, you're giving your kids and you're giving at work. And yes, sir, and I want to do my best. And I want to be faithful. I want to be there on time. I want to be productive. I want to be a witness. I want to pick my kids up on time. I want to feed them a good meal. I want them to do their homework. I want them to be, have their teeth brushed and go to bed in time and clean sheets and clothes to wake up to and breakfast to wake up to. You know what it is? It's this, all day. You're just giving. Moses, Numbers 4, 11, verse 14 I'm not able to bear all this people alone. It is too heavy for me. And you say, just put yourself in his shoes right now. Heavy for me. It's, imagine him visualizing the way that he's doing. He says, man, Lord, I'm going like this. Any minute, Lord, I'm going to drop it all. Any minute, I can't do this. Any minute, I'm just going to let it go, God. It's too heavy for me. And if thou deal thus with me, kill me, I pray thee, out of hand. If I have found favor in thy sight, and let me not see my wretchedness. Yeah, he is a great spiritual leader, but he said, it's too heavy for me. Let me put it the way that you would say it. I'm overwhelmed. I'm overwhelmed. This is, this is too much. Think about this. In the middle of these people writing the Bible, Moses was the one that wrote the Pentateuch, the first five books of the Bible. You can imagine, we studied this on Wednesday night, how their God breathed, how God told them what to write. It wasn't like, you know, just sitting there writing whatever came to their mind. No, God spoke to them and said, write this. You can imagine Moses writing this out and writing for future generations. Tell them about how you wanted to die. Lord, what? Write it down. Lord, wouldn't it be better just to tell them about the Red Sea and the manna from heaven? Wouldn't it, wouldn't it be ready? The, the ten plagues and, man, the Passover lamb? Write down you wanted to die. Write down that you got exhausted. Okay, Lord, I wanted to die. I didn't want to do it. It was too heavy. And I complained before God and I laid it out. Do you know why? Here's why. Because this book is applicable to you today. That's why. Because God wanted to say, hey, they were just people and they got up and they got dressed and they went to work and they came home tired just like you. Just like you. That's why God put it in there. So we would not put them on a pedestal and not think that they didn't struggle because everyone struggles, everyone gets tired. And everybody gets to the point where they want to quit. It wasn't just, it's too heavy for me, Lord. He says, no, Lord, just take me out. Take me out. Have you ever said, honey, I'm just quitting my job. I can't do it anymore. I'm not doing it anymore. 
I don't know if you've ever said that with your kids. I just don't want those kids anymore. But I mean, mentally, emotionally, you're thinking, I just can't do it. I'm not cut out for this. Stop and think what the Bible is. It's a light unto our path. It guides our way. Elijah, Moses, David, Paul, God was saying they've all been down that way. So he's going to use the Bible to illuminate our path to say, David said, oh, I've been there and I've, been, I've wanted to quit just like you do. And let me tell you, because it's not just the sign that says I wanted to quit and Lord, it's too heavy for me and Lord, just take my life. You keep shining the light. You're going to say, oh, I made it through. And God was my strength and it was all right and it wasn't the end. See, it's, it's that light, and, that, and that's why it's not only, it doesn't, no, none of these stories just stop with the, Lord, take my life, and I'm tired, and I'm worn out. None of them do that. But we do re- read the danger signs and stay on the path, and God is faithful. These men were writing stories that they were overwhelmed. Now I want to get a little more descriptive. So Psalm 69, verse 1. David was more descriptive than Moses and Elijah. He was more poetic. He was more uh, touchy-feely, I guess, you know what I'm saying? He just got into his heart and spelled it out and wrote it out. So listen to what he says. Save me, O God, for the waters are come in unto my soul. I sink in deep mire where there is no standing I am come into the deep waters where the floods overflow me. I am weary of my crying. My throat is dried. Mine eyes fail while I wait for my God. Let's describe this. So he's describing being overwhelmed. He describes the first thing you see is drowning. Lord, I am sinking. I can't keep up. This is hitting me deep. I am above, or the water is above my head. The waters are coming into my soul. You can imagine even the description. It was, he was using the illustration of swimming, but it was still internal. You guys ever been there where it was an internal thing? Let me describe it like this, because I'm going to be honest over the next couple weeks. I've been there. I'm just telling you I've been there. And you're going to hear it as I'm teaching of more of a personal testimony than anything. And that's what inspired me to do this. I've been there. It's internal and you can feel it. You can't describe it, but you can feel it. And, and it gets on you where you can't get it off. It's like a, a chest cold, but it's mental as much as physical. And you go to bed with it and you wake up with it and it's still there. And it, it, it presses down on you and it's uncomfortable. And some things, let me tell you, you can pray and wake up with the same thing. And what I've realized, it's not that you're praying and God's not listening. You're praying and you have not heard or seen the lesson that God's trying to teach you. You're not meant to run on empty. So if you're sitting there running on empty, and you're still running on empty, and you're sitting there running on fuse, and all of a sudden you're puttering down the road, what God does is God has a creative way of saying, until you learn how to fill your tank, I'm going to let you keep running on empty. God's not going to let you do it his way, your way. He's going to make you do it his way. And sometimes we just get so fresh or we're crying out to God saying, God, please change it, please change it. And God's saying, no, you need to change some things in your life. You are not getting the message yet. You're still doing it by yourself and your strength. And God says, I will let you run on empty till you learn how to fill your cup. And that's it. That's the sinking. Listen what he describes it. He described it as deep mire. 
out of, out of this deep sea is what it's talking about. He said, I am out so deep. If you've ever been in the ocean or been swimming or something before, you get to a spot where you can touch the ground, and I'm all right. But have you ever been out so far in the water where you can't touch the ground and you're trying to swim and you can't touch the ground and you're trying to swim? I know I've told you guys that story before where me and Dave were out with my brother Denny and our boat broke down and it was, it was chilly out, but it wasn't freezing. But the water was a lot colder than what we could tell. And we're, we, we were tough guys. We, we just literally took off our life preservers, threw them in the boat and said, I'm swimming ashore. We dove in, you know, like some sort of Hollywood show. You know, we're just swimming like madmen, you know. Looking all, nobody could see us except birds and squirrels, you know, but we look cool. Until we were about 30, 40, 50 feet out and we were exhausted. And we were so to the point where you could not touch anything. That is a horrible feeling. And I know you, unless you've been there before where you don't have the energy and then you keep going down and you go up and you can't. And, and I mean, because we're always on stable ground. I know what it's like. David was literally saying, I am in a deep mire. Literally mean, I'm out to sea in a spot that I cannot touch ground. I am sinking. I can't catch my breath. He says, I sink in the deep mire where there is no standing. It's the exact description in there, what I was talking about. I am come into deep waters where the floods overflow me. Now, now you can imagine, all right, I'm tired. I can't touch bottom. I can't stop. I've got a parent. I've got to go to work. I've got to do all these things. And then the waves start coming in. You get a bill at home. They call you in to work on the weekend. You know, they, they call you and you need to work junior church on Sunday when you're already tired. And, you know, you know the kids say, I'm, I'm tired. But kids are telling you, I've got a project due tomorrow. Unless you help me, mommy, I'm going to fail this. You know what I'm saying? That those are the waves coming in over you. And it's just, you know, when you say the things, could it get any worse? Could I get any more exhausted? Yes, it can. Welcome to the world. I am weary of my crying. My throat is dried. My eyes fail while I wait on my God. You can see that. I'm, I've cried myself to tears. It's not a matter of... Lord, help me. He's praying like crazy, asking him, Lord, help him. My throat is dried. I'm hoarse from crying out to God while I wait on the Lord. And this is also the description as we get from this. It's not only a description of drowning, but it's a scripture, a description of being weary or tired of saying, I can't do this anymore. Let me tell you where this leads to. This does lead to, and this might be where I get controversial with people, and people go, I, I just don't buy into that. This leads us to places of depression. And I'm telling you, I, I, I've talked to people, and you just say, well, with God, no Christian can be depressed. Let me ask you a question. How does Moses, David, and Elijah, you just say, well, they had a bad day. When they're crying out to God between them and God saying, kill me, you're not going to tell me that they weren't just in a dark place in their life of feeling defeated. And I tell you, some of you are there right now. When you get to the place where you struggle with difficult concentrating or feeling heavy all the time or constant irritability or that sense that comes over you that things are just not going to get better. Difficult sleeping. Psalm 77 verse 3 and 4, he talks about my eyelids being held open. That's what we would call today insomnia. I can't sleep. David was a man after God's own heart. You said, well, he was just a shallow Christian. I'd like to see you tell David that. 
You're just a shallow Christian. And God says, that guy's a man after my own heart. You're going to call him shallow? No, he just was a guy that gave all the time and he was exhausted. The act of feeling alone or seclusion, where you don't share with others what you're dealing with. You don't, you don't tell other people what you're dealing with. Did you notice when we were reading Elijah and it says he went under the juniper tree, but did you read what happened right before that? And it says, and he left his servant behind. That's the, that's the thing that you can see. When you get to that place, you either get to the mindset that I don't want to be a burden to other people or I don't want to be a complainer. And all of a sudden, you push everybody out of your life. Just to kind of prove a point, who's behind that? That's right. Satan has a way of, of getting you by yourself. He loves to get the weak by themselves. We, we often use the illustration, Satan is a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. Just take that illustration that God gave us and parallel it to the illustration of what a lion does. Of how they, they, they will run after and whoever runs behind or gets weak or gets separated or goes off to the side, that's the one that the lions jump on. So, This also leads to withdrawal from God because I'll tell you what happens in your heart and you don't have to raise your hand and go, amen to that. You get bitter towards God. How can I pray so much and God not hear me? Why is God not changing the situation and how much more can I take before God just says, hey, you just get frustrated. And we pull away. It's easy to pull away from God or pull away from church or pull away from spiritual things. And you're not reading your Bible. You're not praising God. You've lost your tears. You've lost your joy. You've lost your passion. So let me read for you these next verses. That I'm just kind of going through this. In Jonah 4.3. Therefore now, O Lord, take, I beseech thee, my life from me. For it is better for me to die than to live. He's there. Job 10.1, my soul is weary of my life. I will leave my complaint upon myself. I will speak in the bitterness of my soul. He's there. Jeremiah 20 verse 14, cursed be the day wherein I was born. Let not the day wherein my mother bare me be blessed. Cursed be the man who brought tidings to my father saying, a man child is born unto thee, making him very glad. He said, man, I cursed the day that my mom conceived me, the the day that I was born, the day that they walked up to my dad and said, hey, you had a baby boy. Man, I regret that. Verse 18, wherefore came I forth out of the womb to see labor and sorrow, that my day should be consumed with shame. Psalm 34, 18, the Lord is nigh unto them that are brokenhearted and save as such of a contrite spirit. You know how somebody writes that? Because they understand what it means to be brokenhearted, and they know what it means to be a contrite spirit. That contrite spirit, if I was to put it in our language today, it means crushed. I know what it's like to have a crushed spirit or be just broken. I know what it is. Let me let me bring it into a little more modern. I'm going to read you um, testimony of Charles Spurgeon. Spurgeon felt great anxiety from awesome responsibility of being accountable to God for the souls of many. He remarked in 1883, I have preached the gospel now these 30 years and more, and often in coming down to this pulpit, I have felt my knees knock together. Not that I'm afraid any, uh, of any one of my hearers, but I am thinking of that account which I must render to God whether I speak of his word faithfully or not. During the early years in London, 
he was often the object of intense slander, ridicule, and contempt. He wrestled between, and I quote, rejoicing in such persecution and being utterly crushed by it. In 1857, he struggled, and I quote, down on my knees I have often fallen, with the hot sweat rising from my brow under fresh slander poured upon me, and in agony of my grief, my heart was been uh, well nigh broken. This thing I hoped I can say from my heart, if to be made as the mire of the streets again, if to be the laughing stock of fools, and the song of the drunkard once more, will I make me more serviceable to my master and more useful for his cause. I will prefer it to all this multitude for to all the applause that man could give. Spurgeon viewed his depression as a means of equipping him to ministry more effective. I quote, I would go into the deeps uh, the, the deeps of hundred times to cheer a downcast spirit. It is good for me to have been afflicted that I might know how to speak a word of season to those that are weary. That's Charles Spurgeon. If you, if you guys are unfamiliar with who Charles Spurgeon is, he, he was one of the greatest preachers, revival, hellfire and brimstone guys we, we've ever had in our history. And there's a, a, another thing that is a similar thing told about Martin Luther King Jr. Preacher lived a short life but testified uh, of the times that he went into deep descent into these times of despair and where they recommended strongly that he sell a psychiatrist. They said his sleeping pills no longer were effective and he became uh, preoccupied with death. I'm, I'm not trying to be a downer. I'm trying to prove a point. If you're here today and you just say, ah, you know, that's a bunch of junk. I'm here to tell you that the testimony of a lot of great people, great men of God, great women of God will testify otherwise that this is real. See, let me finish with this. In Genesis 3.16, and this, is, this is what happens. What drains us? I'm going to put it like this. Life drains us. It's, you can't rise above where you say, I'm not going to be drained. Every one of you have a plug at the bottom of your tub, just like anybody else. You can put it in and it's, it's, gonna, it's just going to pour out of you like anybody else. Genesis 3.16, unto the woman he said, I will greatly multiply thy sorrow and thy conception. In sorrow thou shalt bring forth children and the di- thy desire to be thy husband. And he shall rule over thee. And unto Adam he said, because thou hast hearkened unto the voice of thy wife... And hast eaten the tree of which I commanded thee, saying, Thou shalt not eat of it. Cursed is the ground for thy sake, and sorrow shalt thou eat of it all the days of thy life. Thorns also and thistles shall bring forth to thee, and thou shalt eat the herb of the field. And sweat of thy face shalt thou eat bread, till thou return unto the ground. And, and out of it was thou taken, for dust thou art, and unto dust thou shalt return." Now, I want you guys to see, first of all, he said, let, let me put it like this. Life is cursed. It wasn't just in the garden. It went through the Old Testament into the New Testament, right into the church age today. This life, this world that we live in is cursed. We see this in the description. He said, in sorrow shalt thou eat of the days of thy life. Labor. It's going to be. Did you notice the word sweat in there? The sweat of thy brow. Labor. It can be exhausting. When you go out to till the ground, you're going to get cut you're going to have thorns. You're going to have thistles. That's opposition. I'm just trying to get my tomatoes and I came out cut up. And honey, I'm exhausted and I am weary and I am tired. 
but honey, we've got to eat. So I'm going to go back out there and I'm going to go into it. So he goes into Eve and says, honey, I don't want to talk about it. This, this child has been kicking me all day. I'm exhausted too. This is not easy. And I know that the God has said that the bearing children would be part of our heritage and blessing, but it's exhausting. And, I'm, and then those kids become work and labor and disappointment and training. I'm here to tell you guys, work and schedules and running and constantly doing our duties will just naturally weigh you down and pull from you. You don't have to go looking for it. It is life. It's life. And then also there's problems. Problems of sickness and everything else that comes from the curse of your kids being rebellious or your, your job laying you off or working extra hours or whatever it is. I'm going to read one last verse, and this is not in your notes, but this, I'm just going to springboard and let you guys know. This is, this is the hope. Isaiah 40, 31. But they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. Renew it. You once had it, get it back. That's renewing. They shall mount up with wings of eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. That's a promise. 